How's it going, guys? I'm Zeke. And I'm Jay. And you're listening to the Cinema Sideshow Podcast, episode... Yeah, I know, right? Uh, eight. No, seven. Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven, yeah. That actually took me a That's while. That's the first time I got lost. Yeah. I was like, wait, what? Oh, no. <laughs> we're running. We're, we've been running too we're long. Maybe we're just going to cancel the show before we no, get to... No, we can't do um, that. No. How, how you been, Zeke? I've been good. Um, we're now... it started raining. That's pretty oh, crazy. Is that rain? I can't tell. I mean, I think it might be rain. Hopefully it's it doesn't a, come up before the mic. We'll find it out. It might be your computer burning. We don't know. It's my computer dying. Like there's smoke coming out I of can't, it. I can't actually have any directional hearing. You ever have that, like, you can't figure out the direction of sound? Well, that's why I thought it was rain, because I don't know where it's coming from. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> uh, to answer your question, I have been good. We're in yeah. our last week, uh, last break week before yeah, we go yeah. into our... So we might be back in the booths by our next episode. Yeah, so our On The Road edition is coming to an end for now. For now. But something tells me we'll be back. We'll be back. Uh, well, we'll be back to our audience every week here on the Cinema Sideshow Podcast. Exactly. No, I've been good. Um, it's weird to be going back to uni next week. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, just getting into, for our, both of us, our last semester. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's, it's exciting. And some big things yeah. coming up. Some real full-on things. So well, Might be able to talk about it soon. Yeah, yeah, definitely, I'd say so. Potentially. No. That's exciting. Have you caught many movies this week? Um, not a lot. I've actually been, not purposely, but very consciously watching very little in this past week. Um, I don't know. I, just, I mean, I've been busy. Mm-hmm. Like you say, we we got to get ready for this new semester. So I'm kind of dealing with my own stuff, I suppose, or getting everything ready. I did catch a couple of films, though. Uh, one on Netflix, which you've seen. And I think we talked a bit about it. We watched Gifted. Oh, yes. So I watched this, actually, I watched this, it feels like a while ago. It feels like a long time since our last episode. That's weird, right? Yeah, it does feel really long. I had that feeling just then, yeah. You know what? Because like, I've rewatched once, like, several times in the last week. I'm not even joking. <laughs> and the soundtrack I've had on loop for the last seven days, so. So you went and bought it? Yeah, I did. I actually did buy it on Blu-ray, yeah. So there you go. That's pretty good. I forgot about it. I bought Sing Street as well. I couldn't find Begin Again. Of the three films, that was the one I couldn't find the Blu-ray for. Still, still. That is weird. I think... It's on Netflix. Only a though. couple. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you can you can check that one out on Netflix. The other two oh you can even check out Sing Street on Netflix too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I wanted once. to buy the I wanted to buy the set. Bought a lot of movies. No, that's fair. Yeah. Um So no, gifted. I watched it again too. Oh, did you actually? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> as soon as you gave it back to me, I uh, watched it. Nice, after nice. The, after last week's podcast, we talked about it so much. I, w- I just went and watched it again. It's only eighty minutes too, so yeah, it's, like, it's it's short. You watched all the bonus features and stuff. I did really enjoyed them. Yeah, like that's. I think the reason we've had such fond opinions of that film definitely come back to it. Feels like the like the only thing where money went like budgetary wise was to pay literally the people on set like it it is very intimate that film and definitely in the ballpark of where we kind of are you know Mm. as really goes to show and i'll talk about a film that i watched this week a little bit later yeah but it goes to show with a very small budget and a really small dedicated team you can make a feature and you can make a Oh well, really an Academy Academy Award winning feature. There you go. I actually I did watch their um the speech they gave. Yes, the speeches that they gave at the Academy. Very very nice. So it. it's one of those things where you just, it's kind of crazy to think about where it's like you think you need all these big spectacles, and I'm sure where there'll be a lot of contrast in the the movie of the week later on <laughs> between money and no money. 
Um, but yeah, I think that film's really strong. And if you haven't watched it by now, I mean, what's wrong with you? Go watch it. Yeah, if you didn't listen to our last show, yeah. gosh, guys. Um, no, so on top of rewatching once a million times, I yeah, so I watched Gifted, which. Um, so you have seen it. I did. And um, I mean, I can't even remember what... You were pretty so-so about it. Um, I, like, it's one of those films where it's harmless in the sense yep. that it never does anything wrong. It tells a pretty good story, but it doesn't hit that next gear. You yeah. know, that gear where you go, wow, this is... A, I mean, in the last couple of weeks, we had once we had blind spotting where it's like, wow, yeah. this film. And, and Gifted... You know, doesn't do anything wrong at all like yeah. it's and the performances i mean we talked about it a little bit off the podcast but um chris evans performance mm. is very subtle but and, it's the, still... and the chemistry with the niece especially i really enjoyed that yeah and she was really strong i'm not sure what her name is i can't remember either you she, think i would have wrote it down she was incredible in this film but uh the smallness of like the small scaleness of it led like it's still a strong like a film, like yeah, a really yeah. strong film, but it's one of those films that I don't see myself revisiting in any time soon. Yeah, exactly. I think that was my main issue as well. Like, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I thought there was a lot of standout. I thought the dialogue especially was really good. Yes. I just really, really, really enjoyed the the banter and the dialogue mm. and how well that was kind of incorporated into the story. And again, the chemistry between the two kind of leads. Yeah, I think that the, the court scenes were really strong. <laughs> Um, oh, they yeah. felt very smart. Um, they kind of like, uh, if we're talking about highlight scenes, I really do like the scene where her actual dad is on the stand. Oh yeah. What a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's really well done how it's like yeah. set up and leads in and it really looks like. You love, yeah. Cause the, our lawyer, it's our side and mm-hmm. we're winning. Like, and it's funny yeah. to see in all the law cases in films, the protagonist's side often doesn't feel like he's going to win the case. It's the underdog where, effect, yeah. Whereas in this one, it felt, no, no, this is the case, and he does have a really good leg to stand on. Yeah. And I feel like, like, honestly, they 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 make a point of it in a scene in the film where it's like, he doesn't actually know if they're going to win or not, but it's mm. not out of the case of, oh, they had all this, like, it's going to come down to one big speech. It's yeah. like, I mean, they've got money. You may be the better suitor, but they've got money, and it's like that sort of like just enough to keep the balance. It's, yeah, it's just yeah, really yeah. smart writing. Uh, yeah, like I said, I really enjoyed the writing. And you're right; it was it was a nice change of pace to be like, oh, like where our lawyer's doing a really good job. We feel quite comfortable, and then it's that very realistic. Yeah, uh, we're still probably gonna have to give into their demands in some capacity. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I didn't. I mean, I agree that there was no missteps, but there was also no wowzer moment or like yeah. fantastic thing that stood out to me there was one shot was, uh, I actually sent it to you guys of when they're at the beach and it's like this, this silhouette shot yeah. of the sun and then she's climbing on Chris Evans like I love that shot it's but a really good shot there was nothing that in as a film as a whole stood out to me yeah yeah I, th- so, I yeah. think it's because it's like like the scene where she he gives up her mm. and she goes to the foster home I don't think anyone really believed that yeah, was he like, wasn't well, going to come back. Yeah, you know what's going to happen. You know the and ending I, at this point. I think, I, I, once again, I'll talk about a film that I watched this week there where it just felt like, wow. But, um, yeah, this film just feels like there are stakes there, but the stakes are kind of like dummy stakes. You know, anyone yeah. who's like, you know, who watches enough movies or even just a general viewer will watch this film and be like, yeah, it's sad, but I don't see, like, 
you know, the yeah, no, like it's it ending badly. This film, just the way it looks, like visually, yeah. even it's enough to be like this film's kind of light hearted. So the drama in this feels kind of light. Mm. You know, I, I think of films where it's like like Eternal Sunshine, where you actually do think the film's going to end sadly. Yeah. Up until like the last five minutes. So um, yeah, I don't know. This just because the film has false stakes it kind of takes away from the film i think yeah no i think i think harmless is the perfect way to put it on your end you're not you're not going to walk out of this film angry or insulted yep you get kind of you get exactly what you need out of this film but nothing more which yeah. is a shame of its own but you know it was it's directed by mark webb just a thing we obviously did 500 days of summer mm-hmm. um which was definitely a film with a bit more of a wows of punch to it i feel like yeah and, that, and that's a film that honestly you think's going to end one way and then it ends a different way mm. like they really sucker you into oh he's gonna get summer back yeah 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 from the from the opening uh shot where i think it's the opening or it's the second shot where they're sitting on the bench holding hands and yeah. she's wearing a ring but it's not what you think it is and you have to yeah. wait till the end of the film and then they have the whole narrative structure of how they exactly film so so maybe this is the case of uh, Webb being put on too much of like training wheels or on tracks and not being able to really touch into what we like about his work. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, like, I mean, it could have just been a fluke because he obviously went on to do Amazing Spider-Man after, which were, I mean, that was to be fair, it was probably the studio mm-hmm. more than anyone in those films. But um, well, and, then, and then this that film, film I... suffers the most from wanting them wanting a Sinister Six movie. Yeah, exactly. So that film, he kind of got thrown under the bus, unfortunately, because of probably corporate greed yeah, and agenda. So. so it's hard to give him too much crap for that. Um, I think he just found a, a script that he quite liked, that, he great, uh, that you said is harmless and wanted to go with it. Because yeah. I wanted to point out how much I love the dialogue. It was actually written by um, Tom Flynn, and it's really interesting because this is his first... To keep in mind, this film came out in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is his first writing credit since 2002. And it's a TV movie called Second String. So he took a 15-year gap there to, before he wrote this take film. time. Dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe we should give him a break. Have you? Have, what, have we, what have you seen? Guys, okay, so I watched uh, a couple films in the last couple of days. Uh, I've talked about, like... The ones I put up from last week, I talked about like Training Day and and mm-hmm. such and such. But this week I went and watched three films uh, off the top of my head. I, I keep forgetting them. I really got to write them down when I watch them because it just all becomes a blur. But yeah. the big one that stood out for me, I'm going to talk about two. Uh, one, both were very very much in the indie school. Okay. Uh, so I watched. Uh, I don't feel. Good Mr. Star? Uh, I don't feel <laughs> like I belong in this world anymore. Okay. Um, I think that's the title. I might that's be a, botching that, that title. That's a dark title. I don't feel in this world any, like in this world anymore. I might have to quickly uh, fact check that yeah, one. Yeah, fact check, because uh, the one you just gave me, that's a dark title. Yeah, well, it is kind of a dark like dark comedy Okay. Um, yeah. about uh, a lady who's kind of uh, late 30s, it looks like, or early 30s, and... Um, basically the world just seems to be, she seems to be going through the motions. The world seems to be against her at all times and she gets robbed. And then of Mm. course the film evolves and her, her neighbor that's kind of eccentric played by Elijah Wood, uh, (laughs) uh, helps her hunt down. And basically what it is, is it's sort of in that school of seeking a friend for the end of the world. Yeah. Um, I don't. Which is not too dissimilar to a script you've written recently, actually. It's true. Um, 
I don't feel at home in this world anymore. I don't feel okay. at home in this world anymore. It's on Netflix. It's a Netflix original. Uh, and it sort of uh, talks about how everyone in this world seems to be getting more and more angry and more mm. fed up with one another and and really talks about that sort of loneliness that comes with just th- that everyday person who's going through life. And, yeah. Um, this film really does... It's, it's interesting. Um, I've talked about... There's some real quirky films out there on Netflix. Um, if you've got the time, I think one I talked about a couple of weeks ago was Minehorn, which was a, an absurd film. And this definitely is in that absurd school of, like, just everyone in this film feels like they don't want to be a part of the world anymore. Yeah, it's, a, yeah, yeah. it's a weird film. It's definitely weird. Um, I'm not sure I'd recommend it, but it's okay. definitely uh, interesting experience. It's interesting it kept me, kept me what, interested while okay. I was, uh, you know, just like watching it. It was, it, it's got some pretty good performances. Elijah Wood I always finds kind of entertaining to watch because mm. he's so absurd. Like most of the time, <laughs> I don't know. Him and Daniel Radcliffe are eerily similar in their like career pathways I'm, I'm, it's interesting you only just realised that. <laughs> yeah. It's probably, it's, yeah, it probably is bad. There but, is a very direct BoJack Horseman joke, like an episode-ending quip. To oh, do really? Because Daniel Radcliffe guest stars in one of the episodes, and it's uh, a whole thing. I, I, yeah, I can just tell you after. Because Elijah so Wood, is he, a vo- is he a voice on BoJack? No, 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 but um, Daniel Radcliffe is, but then okay. there's like an in-joke about Elijah Wood. Okay. Because Elijah yeah. Wood does do a lot of those sort of like... Like I know he was a voice actor on Red vs Blue, so oh, okay. he just does. I didn't even know and that. he was he was in Wilfred, which is that really weird. Like what about the man who's a dog or something like that? It's nice, weird. Uh, the big one I want to talk about is Blue Jay. So Blue Jay, okay. This film came out in twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen, and uh, it's only about seventy eight minutes long. I love my short films, um, <laughs> but this film we is, know you love your short films. <laughs> this films, yeah. Uh, this film's really good. Um, it's stars and it's written by uh, the the male lead. Um, yeah, I can't remember the name. I'll see if I can quickly get it up. But um, basically, centers around. Um, you would really like this film. Okay. Um, so it centers around uh, a, a man and a woman who are both in their early sort of 40s or mid or their middle age. And he's kind of, and they both used to be high school sweethearts. Okay, yep. They meet each other after a long hiatus from one another in this small town where they grew up. So it's and kind over of the like, course, always be my maybe. <laughs> uh, this one's a little bit darker, I reckon. Okay, good. Um <laughs> So I get it up. So it was, so Mark Duplass wrote and starred in it. Um, And basically, yeah, like I'll even give you the logline. Two former high school sweethearts unexpectedly reunite in their old hometown where they rediscover the magical bond they faced and shared regret. Mm. So uh, it's good. I like regret. Yes. Um, And this (laughs) film definitely get, there's a moment where you're like, oh, Oh my god, that was the sound of me hitting my head. Yeah. Um, but which you literally did. I did. Um, <laughs> it, no, it's really good. It's completely, it's completely black and white. I'm not really sure. I still can't figure out why it's oh, black okay, and white. Okay. Um, I was like me the other day with um. Oh no, I was thinking of once. Like I, I didn't know why they just named them guy and girl. Yeah. Like I was like, okay, well, well, these two have these two do have names, and yeah. it's a really from the get go, it kind of hooks you. 
because it, it starts off with like that whole idea that there's a short film within a feature film and it's about like a, a dude to the you wrote a very similar two-page script oh no about two people from high school that meet each other in a supermarket that don't really want to see oh, each okay. other and that's sort of the exchange. Well, it's, it's the, the thing's there. It's a different, like, yeah, yeah. circumstance. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you And mean. I don't want to spoil it because it's, it's on Netflix. It's a must watch. I might check it out, yeah. Um, I would absolutely recommend it for you. You, you will love this film. Um, it hits that sort of, like, line between, uh, you like, you never want, it's definitely in the Eternal Sunshine school okay. of thought. Um, not as, uh far more real, like based mm. in reality than Eternal Sunshine, which has got that sort of surrealism to it. But I really liked it. I, I, I thought I would like it when I started watching it because it's just like there are so many moments where you're just, you you can feel your stomach inverting on itself because oh, you okay. feel for the characters so much. And you're like, you we all have that moment even now. We've only been a couple of years out of high school, but when you run into someone you probably don't want to see from high school, your stomach just, and you can see it on the actors, the act, the yeah. performances. And it, the best part about this film is, yeah, it doesn't feel like a big crew. Honestly, nice. it feels, I mean, the guy who wrote it is the guy who stars in it and comes back to like, like blind spotting the mm. two, the two leads, the two leads yeah. wrote the film. And um, these films feel way more intimate. And this one, especially, I think only has maybe three or four characters and okay. three on screen characters, which like off the top of my head with the exception of like a couple of extras here and yeah, there. Yeah. But talking dialogue characters where you see the person, there's only three. That's crazy. So it's really good. And the two, the couple, uh, they carry it by like, is just by the end of it. You're just like, you know, it's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen. And then they just go, whoop, <laughs> they swerve you off the edge. And it's like, you're just like, oh, no. Is this a Netflix original? Or just, it's just on Netflix? No, it's just on Netflix. Okay, cool. So I think it's in the same sort of, I don't think it's an original. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's just it on Netflix. It would surprise me if it is because of the plot, but, but, but it sounds I, very indie, which I like. It, very indie. I mean, it's funny to think that the three films, I think I've, like some of the most fun films this year I've watched have been in black and white when I think about it. <laughs> Roma, Nebraska, and now this Yeah, film. I was going to say. So, we're no stranger to the black and white in this show. Yeah, and I think those are probably... I mean, Roma's probably a little bit further down the pecking order, but Nebraska and this film definitely are up there. Okay, interesting. So this film definitely has that... It's like a darker once with less singing, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It's just good. But, yeah. That's exciting. Keen on that. Hmm? Um, I rewatched something the other day. You rewatched something. I rewatched something. No, because I so I'm in a, I'm in a lot of Facebook groups in regards to the uh, Kinetic tri- trilogy. Jesus Christ. Um, so obviously, um, Shaun of the Dead, uh, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End. Best one. That's the thing. A lot of people talk shit about The World's End, and I've only seen it once when I was like 13 or 14, and I remember a lot about it. So I was like, does this hold up? So I rewatched The World's End. Ooh, last I'm ready to do them. Touch so it's your favorite. It is my favorite by a mile. Wow, I love that film. Okay, it's just so much fun. It's because there's a bunch of guys getting drunk. <laughs> that's what everyone says to me, and it's like, come on, I'm not that much of a drunk. <laughs> it's like, no. Um, what do I? What do I like about that film? Uh, I like. Um, it's kind of darker than the other two, too. Um, yeah, particularly. Yeah. Uh, Andy and Gary, uh, or the characters of Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, um, both have really, like, a really good relationship. 
that just towards the end, about 10 minutes towards the final confrontation with yeah. the final sort of boss. Um, <laughs> yeah, the boss. They have a really, like, full-on conversation about alcoholism. Yeah. And it's really, like, a moment where it's, like, really true. And it's funny, this film actually directly sort of correlates to Blue Jay about that sort okay. of... Uh, your best years are your high school years or when you're young, mm. whatever the reason Absolutely, is. Absolutely, yeah. For Gary, it's uh, popularity and mm. being the centre of a very small pond, you know, the biggest fish in that pond. And and in Blue Jay, it's for this guy, it's the intimate relationship he shared with this, yeah. this woman. Um, and I think that's a real thing that happens. Uh, this is the one where... And, it feels like Edgar Wright's having the least amount of fun in one sense, but he's also having the most amount of fun because this film. I was gonna say that he, it feels like he's having. He's like, "Fuck it!" For this film, he just said, "I'm gonna do what the hell I want to." But I still think he has probably the smart. Like, apart from, I mean, Shaun of the Dead has a pretty big one too when Shaun has to kill his mum. Yeah, that's a pretty full on scene. Mm. But Hot Fuzz feels like the dumbest of the three. That's a good point. Because uh, I re- I actually rewatched parts of Hot Fuzz as well. Because I've seen Hot Fuzz way more than The World's End. But I wanted to rewatch the ending. Because I always kind of... Actually, all three of his films, I always tend to forget the third act. I forget a lot of um, okay. content from that. So I was like, even Shaun of Dead. It's like, I really want to double check what at the end... I know what the ending is. Mm-hmm. I'm just It's so blurry in my head. Yeah. Um, But I think you're right with Hot Fuzz. I know the editing especially is so rapid mm-hmm. and fun and actiony. That film definitely has the the least gravity. Mm-hmm. I don't think it has a scene where you're a little bit like morbid. Like yeah. all even when like like when uh what is it? Uh, I can't remember the, the lead characters. Falls. Well yeah, yeah, like yeah. things like that or when the two like Nick Frost and Simon Pegg's characters kind of fall out with one another. Yeah. It's still kind of done more in a comedy way, yeah. whereas in this one it feels like it's a bit more Gary needs help. Yeah. He needs like he needs to stop. And yeah. Of course, like they all go to an extreme. They all go to like an absurd extreme. But it's that low point I think in this film I've liked the most out of all of them. Okay. Plus, this film goes from zero to a hundred <laughs> like that too. The uh, great example <laughs> of genre shifting right, right there at your. Oh, feet. it's so good. Like that first fight scene in the restroom. Yeah. Where it's all one shot. Well, that's why just... I mentioned Hot Fuzz, because the editing and the fighting choreograph is so different in this one. Yeah. I appreciated it way more in this one. Well, it's more like Western-esque mm. in Hot Fuzz, whereas in this one it's like... Felt like Kingsman. Yeah. Yeah, I think this film came out the same year or before Kingsman. I think a year before Kingsman. Kingsman. Just before. But um, um, very similar kind of editing, fighting stuff. I love this movie. I, I think this movie starts off with like the pub crawl and the bit of the crisis, the midlife crisis sort of movie, but then shifts into something yeah. fun. And all the performances are... Uh, this This one I like too because this one gives more of the characters of made-up Eggerite's films, gives them more screen time too. Like It's you, more of an ensemble. Yeah, exactly, yeah. which I like more. Like I like the fact that you see, you've seen Martin Freeman, and you've seen, I don't know, he plays and one of the Andes oh, in Hot yeah, Fuzz, yeah, yeah. and you've seen uh, the other guy who's also like one of the commissioners in in Hot Fuzz. You've seen them in other Edgar Wright films, but they only get such a small role. Yeah. Whereas in this one, it's like they get no, a no. much bigger role. Yeah, they get their own sort of space, which is great. Yeah. Um, which I like more because the dynamic between the friend groups pretty great. 
Like, I don't know. It's just the banter. And especially the moment where they they realise the, the town's run by robots and as they're getting progressively drunker, they're trying, struggling to yeah, yeah, keep a lid on it. They can't, like, fight the, um, I guess... The, we were, I guess they're aliens, technically. I guess technically the... um Yeah. The, the villains, because there's a whole thing, like, the robot discussion or, like, yeah. what to call them. Yeah, and they're like, a robot thing. means slave, and yeah, we're not yeah. slaves. We are very happy. <laughs> like, all that stuff is, yeah, just as great as, like, yeah. his other stuff. Well, the bit where they're trying to find a name for robots, yeah, like, so when they're talking about blanks, yeah, and they're exactly. like, is he That's, a blank? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, It's just, it's more chaotic, but it's, because the ensemble, I think it actually works better than the other films. Okay. Because it's like, yeah, we know Nick Frost and Simon Pegg have great chemistry. We've seen it in the last two movies. This one gives you something different, and it gives you something... Kind of that, ironically, This Is The End came out at the same time The World's End did. It came in the same yeah, way. Like, yeah, it came out so soon. Um, way better comedy than fucking... The other one's funny. Yeah. It's like, oh, look, it's them playing each other. <laughs> yeah. But, like, and it's then very it... lazy comedy comparison. Oh, yeah, and then it, there's a lot of dick and drug jokes, whereas yeah. this one's more like people in a wacky situation work it out, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I'm, yeah. What was your verdict on? Well, look, I agree with everything you say, and I really did enjoy the film. I I think the ki- the chaoticness works for a lot of it, but also I feel the pacing's a little right. weird in places. Okay. So I think I found myself getting a little bored from time to time compared to the other two films. Mm-hmm. Um. So it might end up. I mean, that's the thing. It might be the weakest chain in the link for me, but it's a very strong chain. All yeah, across, it comes so, back to that. Yeah. So it's like for me, it's like no, it still holds up pretty well. I it's, think. It's, it's always good. been the film for me that struggles. Like, like Shaun of the Dead's always been, and that's the one everyone talks about being the best one. And I actually think, I, in my opinion, that's the weakest of three. Once again, okay. it comes back to strong chain, weakest link. Mm. Um, but I always found there were parts in Shaun of the Dead that made me a little bit bored. Okay. Um, kind of like what you're saying. I mm. think sometimes the, I think the, the bit that really gets me a little bit like, well, this is a bit boring was like where they had to imitate zombies to get into the Winchester. I always remember that oh, block yeah, being yeah, a little yeah. bit like okay. kind of nothing. I, I th- like, yeah, I don't know why that film out of the three just sticks, you know, sticks with me the least. I That's guess. fair enough. I, think, I watched I think, them in reverse order too. Okay. I think I, I think I did watch them in order actually. Okay. From Shaun of Dead on to, yeah. So. I just find that one kind of fun. It's like, they have the role shift, uh, shift as well. Like, I mean, they're different characters in all of them, but in terms mm. of their comedic roles, who's the straight guy, who's the crazy guy, they and finally I, swap roles. And I really liked it. Yeah. I really liked He's it. He's so good, Simon Pegg. He's so good. He is. I mean, he kind of nails, what, Scotty in Star Trek, right? Like, that's, like, yeah. his role in the Star Trek films. But I really, I would actually, uh, I would say Nick Frost as the straight man is probably way more funny. <laughs> I think he's it just works so, really well. Yeah, the bit where he just punches his wedding ring out of that. Oh chair. yeah, it's <laughs> way for that payoff. Pay, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just funny and just like the bit at the end where there's three drunk guys arguing with the voice of Bill Nye. Yeah, like who's representing like the aliens. To be to be honest, that was a bit of a slow moment for me. I loved it, but it was like I was like, okay, let's move on. When so, they find out they're all being converted into mulch, it's yeah. like I just lost it. Like, like we're turned into fucking compost. <laughs> like, and he's like, it's an economical term. Fuck yeah. you, economic. yeah. Nah. Uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think it holds up pretty well. Okay, but, well, because I was like twelve or thirteen when I first saw it. So I saw that in the cinema. Oh, even... really? I saw I... it. I saw it. I. 
I remember I skipped homework that night. I made a Facebook post. I was like, oh, should I do my homework? Or should I watch The World's End? And then everyone gave me crap on Facebook. I'm like, I'm, t- I'm 13. What do you expect? <laughs> of course I'm going to watch the movie. Movie, yeah. Uh, no. um, well, that's it for me, really. Yeah, that's pretty much all I covered this week. Cool. All right. Well, if we want to move yeah. straight into a, what I'm assuming is your favorite movie of the year so far. Oh, it's it takes out... Uh, the lemon of no, it doesn't take out. It can't be as bad as the ugly truth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ugly truth. Was it girls a girl? I forgot. You, I forgot you watched that. Eh? Yeah. Um, well, this week shit on the movie. show, <laughs> just a shit experience in general. So we're watching uh Bloody John Favreau's 2019, The Lion King. The one true key. Simba idolizes his father, King Mufasa, and takes to heart his own royal destiny on the plains of Africa. But not everyone in the kingdom celebrates the new cub's arrival. What does that mean? How about you just watch the 1994 version? (laughs) And then you've got the Lion King 2019. Except shit. (laughs) (laughs) I think I think I think Zig's been waiting oh, <laughs> for this moment for a while. Now. I watched it. I watched it Sunday morning. Yeah, and I think this film might be my like least favorite, not because it's terrible, but because it's blatant robbery. Okay, it's it is it's the case of the only thing I positive thing I can say about this film is it gave people jobs. <laughs> That's. <laughs> It's not the first film you've said that about this podcast. <laughs> Is it? You've definitely said it in the I've past. I've probably so said I'm it before. To... Sure someone probably, can get it I think you said it for Captain Marvel, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's probably and it's probably the same level of like studio. We've talked I mean, we've talked to death about like studio grabby grabby. Grabby. Does this really feel like John Favreau directed this, or did John Favreau just pay to have a directing credit? Like, I'm sorry. Like, I can't <laughs> how? Yeah. It, like, that's a, it's interesting because it's yeah it's it it is literally just a shot for shot remake which we kind of all knew going into it but okay but my my argument yeah. for this though Jake is I've watched I've watched all the live action remakes now bar uh bar Aladdin I think yeah. it's the only one I haven't watched um so I watched Beauty and the Beast and I watched the Jungle Book and I watched this one I haven't watched Aladdin but Aladdin gone at least people said things about Aladdin they said that at least it sort of had a, like a bit of fun in with it. Right. Okay. Sometimes, uh, I mean, they did all right with like Will Smith got an okay rap as the genie. Like from it was probably the best casting decision you could probably make in that case. To be honest, these films shouldn't probably. exist, especially for a film that came, like it's the same argument I made when I watched Beauty and the Beast. And I had no problems with Beauty and the Beast, mm. but it's like the film, the the animated feature was made in ninety one or ninety two. And yeah, around then, yeah. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, and it was like I think it was Academy recognized that film for its animation leap. Like it was. Well, so a, was um the Lion King. I'm pretty sure. And it's like, how does, how do you go from that, and then you're like, oh, we're just gonna serve you a mediocre version where we take all of what everyone liked about the originals mm. and just serve you this. Oh, but they look realistic. How good's the animation? It's like, yeah, but they can't emote because they look so realistic. <laughs> it's so true. Mm. And it's the same problem Cats is going to have. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he brought it up. He brought up Cats. Oh, it's like, okay, so that trailer also came out this week. 
And we've all watched it, respectively. I watched it on mute. <laughs> but... <laughs> but... <laughs> well, don't watch it. Don't watch it on a... Uh... With sound. Oh, sound. <laughs> Doesn't get much better. <laughs> I watched a musical on mute. Well, that's what Facebook does. It's always on mute when it in the sense of watching it. Fact of, fact of the matter is, I mean, we could talk about cats for days in the sense that I don't know why they went. Literally, it has been, what, 15, 16 years since Cat in the Hat went to cinema. <laughs> And they did a very now, similar yeah. thing. At least in Cat in the Hat, I'm pretty sure most of that was makeup, right? Yeah, it was Physical. Like a costume or makeup sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. And I could tell you right now, the digital version, not much different. You put a human face on a cat, it looks weird. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's yeah, it's it's concerning for a lot of reasons we it, don't need to talk about right now, but it's like yeah. it's really bad. It looks really bad. It looks <laughs> I don't know where people were giving Sonic shit, but Jesus Christ, this is like nightmare fuel. At least Sonic just kind of looked innocent. And Cats, Cats is like, is actually nightmare fuel for a lot of people. There will be, like, I'm no wonder, like, Bruce Wayne got scared of bats, not cats. Fair enough, yeah. Oh, but okay, back to this film. Yeah, let's talk about a different Cats film. <laughs> what was your opinion of Okay, because we haven't really talked about much. I saw it last night. Um... So we saw it on the same day, but like how was the viewing? Sessions. How was the viewing experience? Anyone in the cinema? It was pretty packed, actually. Yeah, yeah. It was so that's it because I'm pretty sure I don't know the exact numbers, but this film's making bank, so people are seeing this film, which isn't yeah. that surprising. Yeah, but no. I guess of all the Disney remake sort of things, well, um, Beauty this and the is Beast the is like tenth of all time or something like that. It's pretty Jesus high up. Christ, yeah. Well, it's I know in the top one's like one of the best openings of all time I've heard, which is insane. But it's not surprising if you really think about it. I mean, look, this... You can pay five bucks to get the animated version mm. and just enjoy that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't even like Lion King 2. Like, just... What? General... Ooh. Sorry, <laughs> peak levels are gone. <laughs> Sorry for the viewers at home, but What no. did you just say, sir? Honestly, in the 2D animations, Lion King just isn't up there for me. It just You're isn't. Insane. It just isn't. It never has been. It's never been a film that I particularly have enjoyed. I seem to remember growing up, I watched a lot of, I've talked about, I've watched a lot of DreamWorks animation. Mm. Um, I watched Beauty and the Beast a lot, actually. Um, I watched that, if we were talking about that sort of stuff. And yeah. probably, like, the big ones that got played in this house were, like, in our, like, at our house were, like, just... Uh, Atlantis got played a lot. Yeah. Watched that a lot. And then we moved more into the 3D stuff, really, like Nemo and stuff like yeah, that, yeah, and yeah. Toy Story. But the 2D stuff, Emperor's New Groove got played a lot in my house. I mean, that's kind of a, a classic that a lot of people don't acknowledge. It's great. Enough. So good. Let's <laughs> just do an episode of Emperor's New Groove. Don't make that into a live action. If they make that into a fucking live action, I'm done. <laughs> that's Disney, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you might, you might be screwed then, mate. Yeah. Oh, look, I think with the Lion King, um, because yeah, like I said, I it's an interesting case. I'm I'm not as angry about its existence as you are, mm-hmm. but it I very much walked out of film like, why? What was the point of any of that? Yeah, it's a gorgeous film. Literally yeah. every shot is yep. gorgeous. Absolutely cool, but there's it lacks all the substance. Very, 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 very few of the decisions they made, of like the changes, 
of which there are very few to begin with anyway. So again, what's the point? Mm-hmm. I actually cared for. There's a few new scenes in there. I didn't care mm-hmm. for them. If anything, they ruined some of the other stuff, like what? Nala's reveal. Comes you know? comes back to extra padding. Yeah. Um, and all it's of these 30 films... minutes longer than the original. Yeah, and they've all struggled with this. Beauty and the Beast got a lot of crap for being unnecessarily longer. And yeah. it's correct. And Aladdin too, I've heard that. Yeah. And they do. They just they add extra padding to a film that doesn't need it. It's like we get it. The animation's great, but the, the, the like the three D rendering is is great. It looks really pretty, and it's a, it is a real pat in the back. But why don't they take this ability that mm-hmm. they clearly have and apply it to like a new IP? This is the big thing that right. I keep coming back to in my head. Why? Because it makes money. Yeah. Because it has the biggest well, very. Obvious. Exactly. I mean, that's this is the most obvious cash grab of any of what Disney's yeah. done in the last few years, which is saying a lot. But it's shameless. <laughs> it's it's shameless. It's like it's such a like Disney owns like all of the major franchises mm. that kick around today. Like name one that it doesn't make. Well, Harry. No, they own Harry Potter. No, Universal owns Harry Potter. Who owns Harry Potter? I don't know. But they own Star Wars. They own. They... Warner Brothers owns Harry Potter, okay, by the way. Okay, Warner Brothers. <laughs> Thank you for telling me. Uh, but out of all the, the major ones off the top of your head, they're all owned by Disney. Hmm. But now they own Fox as well. Yeah. It's insane. So, so it's like, why do they need to keep asking, like, doing things like this to just give us, like, give us something new? I'm just, I just want something new. Yeah. I don't but, want... Uh, when, you, when they like making money, they like making even more money. I don't know. So I think the, for me, the the big disappointment this film has is the one thing I really did like about Lion King, even when I was younger and watching it now, because I watched both actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I rewatched the other one as well in uh, prep for this, and it just it proves the point, right? the The musical numbers mm. in the original just they make this look so bad. <laughs> I just they're just they lack all of the charisma. I think. That, right. Okay. That that the new one has, mm. you know, like they just it just doesn't do it for me like the originals do, I guess. Okay, I have an issue with the soundtrack and the the music throughout the whole film, but it's not mm. what you think it is because I okay. actually I love obviously I love all the the cues and everything that they do in the original, mm-hmm. um, and I think they actually do a pretty good job at at least not butchering them in my in my opinion. But they don't do anything. It comes they, back to... They again, don't. they don't really do... The only one that I was, like, half into was um the the Lion Sleeps Tonight, which in this new version that is kind of an extended version of it, and I actually kind of dug that. I was like, that's kind of cool. I like that they, this is, like, a bigger thing. Um, although that originates from another issue I have with the film, mm-hmm. which I'll get to later. I think the biggest issue with the soundtrack is that when you get someone like Hans Zimmer, yes, mm-hmm. to do this soundtrack, and it was a masterpiece of a soundtrack in the original film. And what they do is they don't really change the soundtrack, but they they do what movies do now with how the industry mixes music and sound in movies today is that it's much more underserved. Yeah. So the soundtrack doesn't engulf the rest of the movie when it plays, mm-hmm. and that's an issue. Because when it does in the original movie, it's super effective and super powerful. Or was it El- it was Elton John's sort of? He had Elton right? John in it. Yeah, yeah, a lot of it. Um, but even just like the the cues, not even the musical numbers, but like the one the one thing I want to compare and that again, this is a scene they kind of butch in the new one, is when Simba 
turns around, he's like, uh, and of course, who cares about spoilers? This movie's 15 years old. So it's 25 years old. 25 years old. Oh my God. Mm. There you go. 25 years old. So you guys know what we're getting into. When Simba turns around um, to Rafiki and he says, I'm going back to Pride Rock. I'm going to challenge Scar. And he runs off and Rafiki's dancing. The music just basses into it. And it's like, this is amazing. And then in the live action version, not only do they essentially cut that scene because mm. it holds on him celebrating. And then Simba in the far distance running for a long time. And like, this is awesome. And the music is just so mixed in with everything else yeah. now that it doesn't work anymore. The, th- the thing is, animation's kind of larger than life. It's, it's yeah. meant to be... Uh, I mean, I, I compare... Uh, the, the things that I think of off the top of my head, like where the soundtrack just takes you. Hmm. Um, actually, you're a lot more with the DreamWorks. For, I mean, I could talk about Empress New Groove because the soundtrack in that is so over the top okay yeah um if if we're talking about a disney one but in dreamworks spirit was definitely one that got recognized pretty sure got nominated in its year but it's like the soundtrack which is mostly done between i think their composer and brian adams who wrote a lot of the songs Mm. there's just full bits where it's like like you said that the soundtrack or the musical numbers just completely take over the frame brother bear off the top of my head was quite quite yeah. large too um although that got more like crap like that they got a lot of scrutiny because of um the international music thing which is the the other right, problem yeah, with yeah, these yeah. films is they don't necessarily tackle the culturally appropriate musical instruments given the context of the film because mm. they're too afraid or they're trying to appeal to a mass audience yeah. so the problem with brother bear and this film sort of suffers it in its release too sometimes it feels like it's not set in Africa, but it's more internationally diverse, okay. which can be a problem because it's like you're taking away from we're in Africa. So the music should be, you know, reflect, part, that. reflect the culture we're in a bit yeah. more. And Brother Bear had that problem where a lot of the instruments they used were not like Native American instruments. They mm. were very much just tribal with yeah, the, yeah, the quotation yeah. umbrella. Like a broad version. And this of film that. sort of suffers from it too with the real, like you said, the okay. underserved soundtrack, but a lot of the instruments in it, they they don't reflect where we are. They actually just kind of like, they're just instruments that sound good together. Was that a reflection of the soundtrack in the 94 version as well? Yeah. Because it's essentially the same sound. I think I think Be Prepared is like, like scrutinised or cut in half. But other than that, it's essentially the same soundtrack. Yeah. I think it's a, I think this I actually think the score was quite like grounded in its reality. It didn't hurt the previous in my opinion it didn't hurt. No. But you're right it's pointless. It's a good consideration to have cuz cultural appropriation is really important with your scores as p- particularly scores that for films that are very much like we are in Africa. Yeah. Let's emphasize that, you know. This is about you know this sort of part of life mm. you know let's i mean it comes back to the like the the most iconic thing this the whole circle of life like yeah and it and way more in the musical uh the live action musical version of this that you'll see on broadway have, the you, songs, se- have you seen the live? i haven't but like, my I've brother watched, has he brought like a little fridge magnet it's a bit more culturally uh appropriate okay, it's, okay. It's, they definitely push more into yeah like they get like african people to play i mean it comes back to the casting of this film like a lot of the people mm. are of like they're you know African American or they're of a, you know yeah that sort of background which you can appreciate absolutely. But speaking of said cast, yes, what did you think of the cast? 
Because they had a lot of to live up to. Big shoes to fill. Um, I like Donald Glover. I do. Okay. Um, but this is this is the problem is even the things that I think were sort of positives were not really positives. They were more just they achieved. They yeah, got exactly. To, yeah. They got to the finish line. They didn't go. They didn't pass the bar. They just got to the bar. Like so. Like I don't think the performances were bad or anything. Mm. They didn't feel out of place or, or, or janky, but they just. They were just voice actors for characters that weren't emoting that much. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I think that's my. Um, it's it's again it goes back to the thing of like there's pretty much nothing bar a couple of exceptions that even matches the original film. The fact that mm-hmm. the highest bar in this film is barely matching the original that's not a good no like, sign. Um, then- Why you say that with Donald Glover? I actually didn't really care for Donald Glover. Okay. I don't really care for half the cast. I think I think Timon and Pumbaa or like you know Seth Rogen and who was um Timon again? He's another he's another comedian. I think I've got it on here actually. I should know this, but I'm not. Why they oh, didn't make Bi- that? Um, Billy Eisner is that it? Yes. Yeah. Why they didn't I make that? James Franco and Seth Rogen. I don't even know. That would have just that would have been too on the nose though. Oh, it would have been. Who cares? Well, that has very meta dialogue. Yeah, but they had meta dialogue in the original too. No, but definitely not as meta as no. Like they, they pretty much said Seth Rogen make make a joke about how he grew up three hundred pounds since the song started. Like yeah. they told him to do that. You can tell, or like they they were given the free reign to riff more than any other cast members. I thought I, John Oliver, John Oliver was actually fine. John Oliver was funny though. Yeah, like just his presence is just funny. Uh, he he brings something different to Zazu because it's like Rowan Atkinson has that. I liked forward... him in Community. Like yeah. when he was on Community. He was really funny. He just plays this drunk literature teacher. <laughs> he just just his presence is very funny. There's a really good episode of Community where they do like stock motion animation. Okay. Oh. Well, I thought because you know Rowan Atkinson has the um a bit of a uh, the authority to his voice, while you kind of lose it with John Oliver, but I think he brings something else to it. So it's like I can kind of. Dig this. So it was kind of like the the fifty. I think I think the worst because obviously, um, Mufasa, James L. Jones, of legendary. You can't. Do, but mm. it also I could kind of tell this time around that he was self aware. So James yeah. L. Jones goes into a booth twenty five years later, being like, I know which are the the legendary lines. I know which ones resonate with people and which mm. ones people forgot about or can quote. So I could kind of tell in his performance. Where he's like, this is the line. He's like, like, this is the line. I'm going to give it more oomph this time, which is fine. It sounds great. But I can kind of tell that's what was going on. But it, this comes back to the big question, Jake. Mm. Why do I need to watch this film exactly. and not the it's, original? It's it's silly. Even if I'm a child or I'm a parent of a child, why would I, like... Because the argument can be made. The animation is timeless. But the animation post, I think, like, 1987, 1988, that stuff is really timeless mm. because it's it brought to another level because they started doing animation on computers. Yeah. So the stuff started to look like you physically can't make it any better. Yeah, it yeah, just yeah. looks great. Whereas it's like, the argument could be made, it's like, okay, if you watch like Snow White, you can see it's clearly like drawn and it's like, it's still yeah. pretty timeless. Well, there's an art to that. Yeah. You know? There's such an art to the way they did animation, especially in the thirties mm-hmm. or, you know, for Snow White. And then it's, you're right. Especially in the, in the 90s, animation was like peak. Yeah. It's like, you li- and this film came out in '94, so this film is at the like the golden age of that anime, like this technology. Had- basically, one year before Toy, Toy Story. Story, yeah. So before they took the leap, so this was literally 
I can't think of there was how many uh, how many more films came after this one that were two D animation. Mulan was after that was what ninety eight. Yeah, and then Empress New Groove. Yeah, came out after this, and then and then they started. I mean, I know Shrek's like DreamWorks. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Pixar was Pixar was pushing Disney. more towards that way. So yeah. Disney was pushing more there because that's where the money was. Yeah. Because not as many people saw things like Empress New Groove and Mulan, and mm. people were seeing Toy Story, so they were, and Bugs Life, and so probably they started putting more money into that. But yeah. It's like. Well, it's just a shame how things have turned out. You don't see 2D animation anymore. No, we've lost... we've ever. We've lost an art that literally made Disney Disney. Yeah. Which is weird that they lost their own art form, basically. <laughs> to their own, like, competition. Yeah. I they... mean, it's essentially Avengers Endgame beating Avatar at the box office, which finally yes. happened yesterday, by the way. Cha-ching. <laughs> no, but you're right. Disney is losing to Disney. Yeah. In lots of different ways, and it's, and it's and people are wanting them to go back to that style because a lot of people now, people our age, and even now, hopefully, kids. I swear, if kids forget the two D animation stuff, it's that's just tragic. When you think about it. Parents have to make sure it doesn't happen. It, exactly. So don't make them watch this. Go take go go to a oh, well, there's no DVD rental stores anymore. Go online. Oh, and there's find a, a few, Zeke. <laughs> I mean Disney what Disney now when they release what's it gonna be called? Disney Disney Plus. Disney Plus when they release that, that totally have the they'll have all of this stuff. If not, go to Kmart and buy the Lion King for like five dollars and save yourself a bit of money and they'll enjoy it just as much, probably more. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that because it was like there were quite a few kids in, in the screening I went to last night and I was thinking that I was like if this if they haven't seen the 94 version, I kind of felt bad for them because like, I can't imagine watching this film without having seen the original. Exactly. Because it just doesn't translate. It's slower. It's sloppier. You're right. The characters don't emote. And that was the thing I've been saying for months. I just think like people, but, yeah. a, a five-year-old is not going to find this film interesting mm. like or as interesting. I really do think that. Yeah. Why do they think, and I know these movies are making a lot of money, but they're making a lot of money because people like us, the older people, are seeing them. Not because of kids. A kid doesn't go, let's go see Lion King. I mean, they go the Pixar ones I get. The Pixar animated stuff, I get why kids want to see right. that. But photorealistic animals talking, I don't I don't see it. I don't see a kid wanting to go see that film. I mean, there are there are shots in here that literally you're right, it reminds you of like, you know, documentaries and stuff. Yeah. And it's like you're right. I can't really imagine a kid seeing that and being that enthralled by it. Mm-hmm. Because it looks so realistic, it doesn't have that edge to it that the Lion mm-hmm. King, the original, would have where it looks very enticing. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's... I mean, you got any highlight scenes or anything um, else? I do. That? I mean, I'll mention it again that the... um In the Lion Sleeps. I'll mention that as my highlight scene just because it's like literally the one thing they did that I was like, I kind of like how they've changed this. But again, I think like Mufasa's death, it's... Why why was I not crying in the theater watching that scene when I do when I watch the 1994 version? You know? It's weird, right? Because you would think something that looks more photorealistic would provoke a more human response, yeah. but it actually takes it away. I think it's very Cause... subtle things they do earlier in the film. Mm-hmm. Like there's little tiny things like like Zazu saying a line to Simba instead of saying like, oh, good luck to... Sorry, sorry, to Mufasa as opposed to him saying good luck to Simba, which is a line they changed in this new one i think little tiny tweaks like that go a long way in losing your connection to these yeah. characters when they die well um do you I have would... a highlight scene don't mind the final fight oh that was another thing I've, i knew it they were gonna make it way longer 
Yeah, it was way longer for no reason. I guess it's my highlight scene would be <laughs> I'm really impressed with where animation is now. I guess like in yeah. the sense of live rendering, but don't use it to, don't just stop doing this. Like yeah. make something new with this power, something different, like mm. something that makes people like go wow because they've clearly got the resources to go out and do some amazing things with special effects, but. The fact that they're wasting that, like you could do some really cool, like supernatural monsters with this sort of stuff, you know. Yeah. The way the way the hair looks in this film is amazing. Mm. Yeah, like and they do it on so many different things at once, so it's like it just makes you want to see Avatar too, doesn't it? Oh no, it does not. <laughs> <laughs> no, but something in the world of like you know, we're talking about Endgame yeah. and and Avatar being overtaken. Don't you just want to see a film? like Avatar again, another IP that kind of comes out of nowhere and just kind of blows you away. I mean, sure, but I was never a big fan of Avatar, but I know what you mean. Like, yeah. Ideally, like this thing that we're nice like, animation's that never getting this good ever again, and then yeah. 10 years later, something else beats it easily, you know? Yeah. I guess. I there was, um, I just want to throw us, the, the humour as well, because every now and then you could kind of tell when they peppered in a new line or something that mm-hmm. happens. It's like the humour's just... I mean, Seth Rogen and, uh, you know, Ultimate Pool, but they say some funny stuff. And I was like, I love it. Good cheap laugh. The hyenas, they ruined. Oh, yeah. So badly, this film. But they ruined the hyenas in this film, man. Oh, uh, well, that's yeah. all I can say about Lion King. Yeah, look, I like I said, I think it's a mixed bag. If I can't imagine a kid wanting to watch this film over the 1994 version. I can't imagine exactly. anyone watching this without having seen the original and completely engrossing it because exactly. this film just so many beats it just kind of awkwardly missteps it when the 94 animation mm-hmm. just nails it no exactly well cool. Lion King or John Favreau's 2019 Lion King cool. is currently out in cinemas so uh, yeah you can check it out if you want or would you recommend it, it though? I mean no. I guess yeah no <laughs> probably shouldn't even ask you that eh? no watch the film that we're going to be watching next week instead okay <laughs> yeah Oh, is that, sure a, we're is talk- that a film we're going to be watching next week? Well, next week. What's next week? What are we watching? Next week, we're watching Booksmart. Good morning, winner. Take a deep breath. Visualize the mountain of your success and look down at everyone who's ever doubted you. Fuck those losers. Fuck them in their stupid fucking faces. Academic overachievers Amy and Molly thought keeping their noses to the grindstone gave them a leg up on their high school peers. But on the eve of graduation, the best friends suddenly realised they missed out on some special moments in their teenage years. Determined to make up for lost time, the girls decide to cram four years of not-to-be-missed fun into one night, a chaotic venture that no amount of book smarts could prepare them for. Ooh, so this is a directorial debut. Boy. So it's very exciting. A little bit wild. Actually sounds like kind of a fun film, even by the synopsis. <laughs> well, I, I kind of like one night films. Yeah. Yeah. You get something. Well, it's funny because uh, Jack, who will be joining us next week to watch the film with us. Um, right. He's described it. <laughs> well, he's described it as um, kind of a modern day super bad, which I've, is very interesting. That's what a lot of people have been comparing it to. Cool. Like the, the female super bad, basically. That's actually pretty... Pretty solid time for that to happen, I think. I think it's been what it might have been ten years since twelve Superbad. years. Twelve years. Since Wait, Superbad. yeah, wow. Oh my god, we're old. Wow. Not that we're old enough to watch. Wouldn't the it be funny if like out. Emma Stone just rocks up in this? Like Joan, they all rock up. Yeah, but yeah, they're all yeah, grown yeah, ups they're all, they're in this film. Thing. 
They're all but, the parents yeah. <laughs> of these kids. That'd be that really... would be like a little twist, yeah. But um, yeah, excited I'm to see. I'm keen some for it. Directing chops on this one. No, it'll be interesting. Um, and you're excited for it. I actually am. Yeah. I am. I kind of wish we had done it this week. <laughs> as opposed to the previous As opposed to Lion King, yeah. Right, fair but, enough. Well, we did skip over it, but we're going to do it really quickly. There are a few new films that come out next week. New films? New films. Uh, so there is, it looks like an animation called Guess How Much I Love You Christmas in July. And it's, look at little fairy animals. Dude, that looks bad. <laughs> it's little fairy animals. Looks like, like a knockoff Beatrix Potter. Oh my God. And then one day later, we get the Apocalypse Now final cut. I thought this was like a lunar thing. Apparently, is this like an actual... I don't know. Like a new cut? Of I kind of want to see it. I've never seen Apocalypse Now. Me neither. That's interesting. Mm. What's the final cut? The 2019 version of Francis Ford's Coppola's... Francis Ford Coppola's Cult War Epic clocks in halfway between the two prior releases has been remastered Is it really cult? It was like the sixth or seventh highest grossing film in its year. Like, is that really cult? (laughs) I I guess. I I don't know. I wouldn't go far. I mean, movies didn't make as much money anyway. Plus, Francis Ford Coppola also had won, like, two Oscars at this point. Is it really cult? (laughs) I I don't know. I I, I would argue (laughs) that by Apocalypse Now, it's not cult. Maybe not. I yeah. He, he won for a... the Godfather and for the conversation in back to back years. Like... There is an incredible amount of international films being released in in the next few days. Well, by the looks of it, I don't know any of those. Like half of them are not even like written in English. There we're, is Tokyo Ghoul Five. This is kind of like the graveyard of the year. It's post yeah. the holiday, the post the the summer break holidays and or winter for us. But I mean, it's. It's a good time for it. A little break. It's kind time. of a lull. And another one that's coming out is called The Keeper. Cool. So, uh, yeah, something about a World War, German World War II soldier to English football legend, a heartfelt. Oh, it's a biopic. Look at that. There you go. So, if you're into that, it's a biopic. Cool. Well, um, yeah, I'm about to head off, Zeke, because I'm about to watch Pulp Fiction for the first time ever in a theater. Boy. So, that's going to be fun. That's going to be very interesting. But, yeah. I hope you enjoy it. I hope so too. And it's, uh, uh, yeah. it's a bit of Tarantino. It'd be really cool. They like Tarantino. they like it. Part starts to play, but then once a time of Hollywood comes up instead. I, I actually wouldn't be mad because I've got Pulp Fiction on Blu-ray, yeah. which I've never watched. But then, yeah, that would actually be a like pretty a, solid like a surprise. Yeah, yeah. free screening. But, anyway, um, thank you for joining us for the yeah, Cinema Sideshow podcast. I was Zeke. I was Jake. And we'll catch you next week with Booksmart. Da 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 da. <laughs> <laughs>